Hey, hey, what's up, what's up? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here today. I sit down with Jazz James, who is the founder of uh, Lace Warriors. She is the uh, owner of Strip Church and really is pioneering an incredible work helping legal sex workers and ministering the love of Christ to them. Why would I bring somebody like this onto the episode or onto the podcast? Well, it's actually pretty straightforward. I think when you are watching porn on a regular basis, or if you're just struggling with lust, okay, let's broaden this. If you struggle with lust, one of the tendencies is to objectify women rather than seeing women as human beings with hearts made in the image of God, who are, you know, mothers and fathers, them, uh, mothers themselves rather, or, you know, certainly daughters at the very least to someone. We essentially view them as objects for our pleasure. And so, this is another angle, you know, we've talked about sex trafficking before. Sex trafficking is the illegal side of this, which I kind of found out is not the same as legal sex workers who work in, you know, a strip club or some sort of legal institution. And so we, we get into that a little bit. So there's there's an informational, educational component to this. But really, this is meant to just shed some light on when you are engaging in some of this misbehavior, what's really going on behind the scenes what these women are really like that you're interacting with and why they're here in the first place. And it's kind of heart, heartbreaking. It makes a lot of sense in some ways. And I found it really eye-opening. I hope you do too. And I know that like I know that the tactic doesn't necessarily work. I know it's not like, oh guys, if you see like how bad things are, then you won't do it. Like I don't think we can logic our way out of sexual sin. I do think that getting exposure to these stories and hearing about some of the really incredible work Jazz is doing to minister to these people and getting some of the insights on what their lives are like, it can be really helpful to push us along this kind of journey of understanding beauty, seeing people as God's uh, God's own and uh, creations made in his own image. And I think it can help us further that recovery process. So that's why she's on here today. And that's why I know you're going to be really impacted. She is phenomenal. She's doing incredible work. And without further ado, I want you guys to hear all about it. Here's my interview with Jazz James. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam, welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Jazz James, founder of Lace Warriors and Strip Church. And my goodness, you are pioneering some really spectacular initiatives. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I, I mean, we were talking off camera. The The nature of our work is we we hit on, you know, porn addiction and getting free and and kind of escaping the enslavement of sexual sin. And it's super important, but I think um, the more, even for me personally, the more I've delved into helping guys in this area, you start to discover the link with sex trafficking, uh, the link with, you know, prostitution, you kind of see the, the just, just, just how everything is actually very interconnected. Whereas in my mind, they were sort of all separate. And we've had people talk about sex trafficking before, but you're actually doing something that's uh, pretty, pretty unique and, and something I've never really seen before. Can you just give us a little overview of Lace Warriors and what it is that you're up to there? Sure. We are a ministry that um, works with women in the legal sex industries. So we don't do anything with, with trafficked women or anything like that. There's a lot of great organizations out there that do that. We focus on women in strip clubs, um, porn, um, just anything legal, sexually um, oriented businesses in the legal realm. Um, we go to um, Oh, we, we've gone to porn conventions. We go to um, bookstores. I was couldn't think of the name. <laughs> <laughs> I was really struggling with that. Um, we go to um, adult bookstores and talk to the owners. Um, sometimes oh, wow. they'll have some of the women there promoting their movies or something. And, and so we'll be there for them. Um, we just reach out to anyone in the legal sex industries and just let them know that Jesus loves them right where they are. That is amazing. And it's true. I think people don't know even like some listeners might just be surprised to hear, oh, I thought that would count as sex trafficking. I didn't realize that there's 
sort of like the legal branch and then kind of the more seedy, like uh, hidden illegal branch of this. Before we go into into some of the nuances here, why? Why why did you get into this work? And what made you say, oh, the the people that are in the legal sex industry, that's where that's where mm -hmm. I want to make a difference. Right. Um, it's kind of a long story. I'll try to tear it down a little bit. I figured it might be. That's all right. You can take your time. <laughs> um, I was married and my husband was a porn addict. And I would open up my computer every morning and, and just all these pop-ups from the porn that he had been watching the night before would, would come up on my screen. Wow. And I we stayed married for about five years after his addiction started. And I was committed to walking through that with him um, as long as he was getting counseling and and was working on making changes in his life. I was I was willing to be there with him through that. Hmm. Um, but the porn would pop up and I would just look at the women and I would watch the porn, not to watch the porn, <laughs> but yeah. I, I was curious, you know, what was it in that that that, that could give him that I couldn't? And I, I never figured it out. And um, what I saw was a lot of really sad looking women. I would, hmm. you know, block out everything else and just look at their eyes. And their eyes were just so sad. And that stayed with me for years. We did end up getting divorced because he decided he didn't want to work on his sex addiction anymore. Hmm. Um, and so he divorced me um, because he knew that I, I was there for the long haul. Um, and he, he felt like I deserved to better which i did <laughs> yeah, i wanted him yeah. to be better though <laughs> yeah of course of course <laughs> but um so after that i didn't know what to do so i just went to grad school because <laughs> you know what what else do you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> in, a, in a crisis <laughs> so i yeah. went to grad school and um got my master's in urban ministries and um, one of my classes was a multicultural ministries class and i had to find a culture i was going to work with I didn't know. I didn't even know why I was getting my master's, much less urban ministries, much less what was like, it was, it was just something to take up my time and help ease my pain. And, and through that class, I found Strip Church Network. And just it was on a, a news program and women going into strip clubs and telling telling other women about Jesus. And it just I knew in that moment when I saw that news program that, first of all, that that was going to be my culture I worked with that semester, but that that was going to be my life's work. I knew in that mm. moment that that is wow. what God had called me to do. And I spent the, my whole grad school career developing this ministry so mm. that when I graduated or when I received my master's, I was ready to to just go, to just start. And the next day after the ceremonies, I was sitting on the couch I was like, okay, so I can do this or I can sit and watch TV for the rest of my life because I'd missed out on a lot of TV while I was in grad school yeah, and sure. had a lot of binge watching to catch up on. Um, <laughs> and I just decided I was going to do it. And the very next day I had my first outreach at a club in San Angelo, Texas, small wow. rural town and um, just have not looked back since. That is amazing. Tell me about that first outreach you did. Is are, were you, are you like salivating, like so excited to get in there? Is this terrifying and you're like trembling and shaking going in, or is this just like a exploratory? Let, let's just see what happens. Like, what what was it like? It was all of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had a friend that went with me because not that she was really interested in doing it, but she knew I was going to go by myself if if somebody didn't go, and nobody mm. else was going to go with me. Um, yeah. So, um, but she didn't want me to go by myself because she just knew it was going to be very dangerous and everything. So we got, I got um, 10 gifts in bags because I knew there was no way there could be more than 10 strippers in St. Angelo, Texas and um, got extra gifts for the, I had done a lot of research, a lot of reading, got extra gifts for the waitresses, for the house mom, for the manager, for, and took extras just in case. And I don't know how many I ended up taking, but I took those. We took cupcakes and we just walked in. It was December of 2015. We walked into the club and there was this gnarly old man sitting at the door and that threw me off. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. got real. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, I just I said, hi, um, I'm Jazz and, and we're here to bring gifts for the ladies. And, and he said, what? 
And I said, <clears throat> my name is Jazz and we're here to bring gifts for the ladies. Just the softest, meekest voice. And if you knew me, you would know that's not me at all. <laughs> and, and he said, I can't even hear you. What are you saying? And about that time, the manager walked out and she said, what's going on? And that's when I found my voice. And I just said, hi, my name is Jazz and I'm with Lace Warriors and we're here to bring gifts for the ladies. And she said, oh, okay. Yeah, come on in. And we were shocked. We really didn't think we would get in. <laughs> and we walked in. She showed us around. She said, there's the the VIP area. There's there's women on the floor. Um, the dressing room is back there. There's a smoking area over there. You can just go wherever. And that wow. is just unheard of. Usually huh. they'll let you in, but they kind of want to guide you around. Or they tell you, you can go here, but don't go here. Um, and we were just given free reign. Hmm. And we have ended up having the best relationship with that club. But anyway, um, I was shocked that there were 25 strippers in San Angelo, not 10, wow. <laughs> 10 or less. Um, and there were, I had um, a couple of women coming off of state, off the stages that they were dancing on to get their gifts. Um, they were just so open, so receptive to what we were doing. They were posting pictures on Facebook of this awesome church that came in and gave them <laughs> gifts. Wow. And they started calling us the church ladies. And I just, <laughs> I asked the manager, I said, can we come back next month? And she said, yeah, you can come back whenever you want to. Uh -huh. And we've just had that kind of relationship ever since. I actually have a key to the club now. It, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I moved my office to a church and the women didn't want to come there. They were, if they right. wanted to talk or something, they, they're very distrustful of the Christian community. And um, okay. they didn't want to come to a church to talk to me. And so the manager or the owner gave me a key to the club so that I can go there off hours and talk to them if, if that's a need. That is amazing. Okay, a, a so, lot to un unpack in there. I but know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's great. No, that's great. So I, I, I mean, obviously, your first time through was a huge success. And I'm guessing... Like, I think it's one thing to, you you know, you hear about people doing something and you say, oh, that's the thing I want to do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you go and actually do it and you're like, oh, this is not what I thought it would be. Right. And, you know, people change course. I'm guessing for you, once you had that first experience, you knew this, this was it. This was, this was awesome. And this is what I want to keep doing. It's really funny because um, I didn't even expect to get in. I was going to go home with all my gifts and give them to people. I don't know who, and just say, oh, sorry, God, I tried. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. That, and that was going to be my out. And I don't know why I thought that, but I really thought that's what was going to happen. I really limited God and we got in and, and we were so welcomed and my heart just started pouring out for these women yeah. that um, they just wanted somebody to tell them that they were loved and valued and, um, they were just eating it up. And wow. I knew in that moment that I would not turn back. That was it. I yeah. worked my full-time job for two years after that and then quit to do the ministry full-time. But we had seen such growth during those two years that it actually became a necessity. Mm -hmm. um, we grew to five cities in wow. West Texas, which if you know West Texas, it's it's those five cities are not close. <laughs> There's a <laughs> About a hundred miles in between each city. So wow. yeah, so we really expanded, really grew. So okay, yeah. I, I have two questions. I'll, I'll ask about the expansion first since you just brought it okay. up. Why expand this? I like what was it in you that said, okay, yeah, this is nice what we're doing in St. Angelo, building relationship with the local club. You know, like it sounds like you were really gaining ground there. Mm -hmm. What was there always a vision to expand this and to do something beyond just St. Angelo itself? Or how did that come about? No, because St. Angelo was going to be my little hobby ministry that I was going to do once a month. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'd be there and take the girls out and we would do fun stuff and have coffee and talk and stuff. And that was going to be it. Um, but I just felt like God told me to go to Abilene. And so we did. And we were welcomed there just like we were in St. Angelo. Um, and then the next year, God told me to move to Odessa. So we did. And we were received with open arms there in two clubs. Um, and then after that, and um, we had talks about moving to Amarillo. And I was very hesitant because it was just so far. 
And then my Odessa team leader, she, she had, um, she was from Amarillo and there was a family crisis and she had to move to Amarillo. And I said, well, I guess there's that. <laughs> God just answered that because we'd been praying about it. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so she moved it to Amarillo. So it just, it was, it was all God. That was never, I never thought God would use me like that. I mean, why would he use me to do something that would affect so many lives? Um, but he did. And mm. every time I ask God, why me? Why? And it's always because you're willing, because you'll wow. do it. Wow. Why Why are women so receptive to what you're doing? I, I don't mean that as like a, a facetious question. I, I just mean, mm -hmm. what in particular is it that, that makes them feel so valued or so appreciated or or, or do they feel valued and appreciated? Or is it the managers that really appreciate it? Like, what's the reception been like? And, and why has it been so positive? And um, well, first of all, it's not we're not always um, received warmly by all the women. Some women are very, very um, distrustful of what we're doing. Yeah. And, um, and, and I get it. I totally get it. Why would they trust me? You know, why would they trust any of us? But they right. do come around eventually. Hmm. Um, but the majority of them, they, they welcome us with open arms. We walk in and they hug us and they just want to talk to us and everything. And I think it's because we accept them for who they are. We mm. don't pass judgment on them. We don't tell them you're sinning and you're going to hell. You need to put some clothes on and come to church. Now, come on. Right. <laughs> it's just like Jesus loves you right where you are. And, you know, we, we follow the philosophy of um, Billy Graham. And he said, it, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's my job to love. Mm, and so wow. if all I have to do is love, I can do that. And that takes a lot of pressure off. I don't have to do all the other stuff. I just go in and I act like Jesus. And yeah. I, I be Jesus for them in that club in that moment. And I just let them know that they are loved and they are valued for who they are and where they are. And Jesus just wants to have a relationship with you. And that's it. And yeah. I know that once that relationship starts, the Holy Spirit will do the rest. I don't have to take on, I don't have to try to be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and are people like when you start talking about Jesus or even, even when I'm, I'm guessing women at some point ask you, Jazz, mm -hmm. why are you doing this? You know, like right. what, what, why are you even here? And I, I imagine you get those windows of opportunity to share a little bit. What, what's the response like? Cause I have to imagine like you're talking about how, they wouldn't even come and have a conversation with you in the church just because of the mm -hmm. connotations of church and Christians and, you know, the judgment and probably everything that they've been prone to. Right. Um, what What's their experience like when now they built some rapport with you, they trust you, and then and then you're sharing a little bit about the faith aspect of it? Um, for, we don't go in to share the gospel with them. If right. we get to that, that's just a bonus. We yeah. just go in to tell them that they're loved and that Jesus loves them. It's their working and we don't want to take them away from their work. It's very loud in there. It's hard to have conversations okay. and especially meaningful conversations like that. Our purpose to go in the club is to get to know them and to develop a relationship with them and to let them know we're available if they need anything. So then when they do call at four in the morning, which happens and they need a ride home because their ride left them or they're drunk or or whatever and they just need a ride home um we get up and we go and and we take them home and we have that whole car ride to talk about whatever they want to talk about and it hmm. always because they know who we represent it always goes back to jesus always yeah. and we just talk to them in a very non-judgmental way and just reassure them always that, that jesus loves them no matter what yeah. And he just wants to have a relationship. That's all. He doesn't demand anything else. He just wants to have a relationship because he loves you. Yeah. And, um, you know, through that, it, it takes a long time. This is, you have to be very patient to do this kind of ministry. It's not going to happen quickly. They're not going to, in in a month, they're, they're going to get your gift and they're going to be like, I want Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me how to have this Jesus. I wish it were that way. But because of all the hurt that they have from yeah. from everything in the past, um, it's just not going to happen. So we understand that we're there to plant seeds. We may never see what happens from that, yep. but we know that something will because God's word never 
never returns void. So um, we know good will come of it. We have seen some come out of the industry and they live very, very positive, fruitful, um, successful lives. Um, I have one that um, she's gotten married and she has four kids now and she's just as happy as can be just being a stay-at-home mom. Wow, wow. I have another who um, she's uh, she just received her um, her bachelor's and she's going to law school. I have one oh that gosh. that just received her MBA, um, and she just got her first job outside of the club. Um, they they lead Jeez. very successful lives. One is a car salesperson, and she's always <laughs> the top salesperson at her car lot because I mean, these women are amazing marketers. They've been marketing oh, yeah. themselves. Um, yeah. so, I mean, she's, she's awesome at what she does. Um, but they, um, they're very talented, very personable, very, they can read people like nothing else. They mm. know when, when you're full of it <laughs> and they know <laughs> when you're being honest, they can read people. Yeah. So, and you have to go in just being genuine. And I tell them, it's like, I don't know anything about what you're doing. <laughs> you're going to have to educate me. So yeah. if I say something wrong, if I say something stupid, I'm sorry. Just know yeah. that, it, but they respect that. They respect that. I say, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're going to have to teach me. Um, and they do. They're really good about teaching me. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I could see that. I could see how the honesty would really make you stand out, you know, because I'm sure they're not used to that. Can you exactly? So, I, I mean, you're talking to guys who, you know, a lot of guys that come to us and do our program uh, have often had these experiences in, you know, strip clubs or wherever it might be. They've they've crossed a line, whether it was, you know, with a group of buddies or it was a work mm-hmm. thing or, you know, sometimes it's just loneliness and porn's no longer giving them what they need and they go to these places. And, I, I, you know, the whole bane of this sexual misbehavior is that we have objectified other people like these precious Mm -hmm. typically these precious and really valuable women who as you're saying are actually incredibly gifted they have incredible callings on their life and so much to offer the world and i think when we hear about them becoming a lawyer becoming the top salesperson at a car dealership that really humanizes them that's that's super Mm -hmm. helpful but i think um admittedly like typically you know when the when the brain is engaging in that sexual misbehavior there, there's no humanization going on at all. It is literally, I mean, even the science will show basically looking at these people as if they're tools for your own pleasure, your own gain. And right. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about these women. What are they like? And 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 uh, I'm wondering if you can just try to humanize these women that that you're interacting with, because I think that part is sometimes lost in this conversation. And I think that could really mm-hmm. be insightful for the audience. Okay. Um, they are... They are women. They are, they are just your typical average woman. When I go to the club and we sit back in the dressing room and we're just talking, we'll share recipes. We talk about, oh, my kid keeps wetting the bed and I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> my kid keeps fighting other kids. What do you do about that? And um, my background is, is I ran a children's emergency shelter for years. And so I have a lot of experience with kids and I can, I can say, well, I've tried this and that works with some kids. <laughs> I've done right. this and that works with others. You just got to find what works. And, and it, it's the older women teaching the younger women. That's, that's exactly what it is. But hmm. um, they are just your normal, typical everyday women. A lot of them, the reason they, they work in a strip club is because it's what works for their lifestyle. And their lifestyle is they mm. want to be a good mom. They're good moms and they mm. do it for their kids because they work at night and they're home with their kids during the day. They sleep when their kids are at school or whatever, but they can be the room okay. mom. They can be the soccer mom. They can do all those things. And they do those things. Wow. And I think if people knew how many women at those events were actually strippers, they would be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they do they do this so that they can be with their kids because they want to be that good mom. If they work at McDonald's, that's not going to pay their bills. So they're going to have to work a second job and they're going to have to work a third job to pay for the child care. Um, and they're never going to be home with their kids. And this is their reasoning. This is you know, Mm. this is, um, this is their thought process, why it's more beneficial for them to work at night and work in a strip club. They can work three nights a week and make as much money, make more money than I've ever made in a week, you know? (laughs) So, um, so, 
so sorry can i just pause you for a sec so it sure. sounds like so the money the money part of it is great but it's actually the lifestyle like it gives them the chance mm -hmm. to be at home i guess during the day yes. or to be able to drive their kids to and from so right. they're getting their they're a present mom and then they can also then make their money three nights a right. week you said something like that right. And, and I'm not going to say that's all of them, but that's a majority sure. of them, a majority of them. There, there is your typical college student um, that they have figured out that, you know, I work two or three nights a week and I have all the rest of the time to study or go hang out with my friends or do what college kids do, you know, and, and so it works for them. Wow. That is, yeah, that, that's actually really, really enlightening. Um, is there a particular or is there a common demographic that uh, is typically at these as far as like, I don't know, uh, any, I'm just curious if there's any commonalities because now you guys are obviously all around the nation where you're doing your ministry and um, yeah, is there a particular age group or socioeconomic status? Is there any commonalities there or is it pretty far ranging? And the strippers? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know it's all over the place. There's, okay. there's. There's thick and thin, there's young and old, there's um, beautiful and, and maybe not quite so beautiful. Um, there's, you have the whole, there's educated, there's non-educated. In the summer, there's an increase in teachers that will work summer months as strippers. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, it just, it's all over the place. There's a lot of women that have a day job. They, um, they work a couple of nights a week to you know, help make ends meet or just to provide those little extras that they need or they want to buy a new car or something like that. So, I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. There's some that this is a family lifestyle. Their mothers were strippers. And right. so, you know, they just fall into it because, you know, it's, it's easy money. It's good hmm. money. And um, so, I mean, it's just all over the place. It's, no, I had one, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I had one who grew up in an assembly of God family and she, um, she was very conflicted and actually the manager of the club called me to go talk to her because she wanted to, to dance, but she just felt it was so wrong and she didn't know what to do. And, um, but she needed the money really bad. And, um, hmm. but she came up with such a religious upbringing that it just, it was really just affecting her mentally and yeah. spiritually. <laughs> and, and we just had a long talk and I never once told her what to do. I just told her is that you know what you need to do it's you know you, you just need to pray about it and and if you're that conflicted then you know maybe you already know the answer yeah. and you know she ended up working for about a month after that and then um she posted on facebook that and um, a gofundme she was raising money to go to a, a church leader camp and um she needed $200 and she just said, God, if you'll give me this $200, then I'll know that you're going to meet every one of my needs and I'll quit dancing. And I didn't know any of that. I just saw the GoFundMe for 200 to go to this camp and I just gave her the 200 and she called me five minutes later and she said, I can't believe you did that. And I said, what? <laughs> and she said, she said, you gave me the whole $200 and she told me about her prayer to God. She said, and then it was you, it was you that paid it. <laughs> oh my she, gosh. She has since, um, she's moved out of the area, but she started her own magazine. And, wow. um, yeah, she's very successful. She started a nonprofit and she has her own magazine and she did quit stripping <laughs> and, wow. um, she's living for God. So. Jeez, that's amazing. So that's a good lead in to, uh, the, these women that you're interacting with, are they, are they thinking, you know, one day I will, I'll get out of here. Um, are, are they, are a majority of them actually pretty content being there? Like you mentioned for some people this was just modeled like their, their mothers did it. And so they, they kind of just have a familiarity with it. Is it, is it mixed or do a majority fall in, in either camp of either wanting to get out there or, or pretty content being there? Some have an exit planned and they, they're doing this for a short time um, for this goal, which, you know, get through college or, you know, buy a car or whatever. They have a goal in mind and then they're going to get out. Mm. Um, and that does work for them. Um, for some of them, for some of them, they have the exit plan, but the money's so good. They just, you know, and for, some don't manage their money so well. So, right. um, 
you know, it, it becomes a, a cycle they can't get out of because they spend more than what they make always. And, yeah. um, you know, um, others, it, it's just, they're going to do it until they can't do it or until they just don't want to do it anymore or um, until something intervenes in their life to, to cause them to stop. And yeah. they don't really have an exit strategy. They're just going to do it until something happens. Yep. And, you know, it's just that there's not a typical stripper. I don't care what people say. There may be some commonalities, but they are as individual as people are individual. Yeah. And there's I've never met a group that said, OK, we are yeah. <laughs> we're in this camp and this is how we operate. It's yeah. they're very individual. Yeah, and, makes- you know, as they grow, their their career is going to wax or wane or you know it just they're just very individual yeah no that does that does make a lot of sense and yeah i mean they're all there for different reasons different circumstances and Mm -hmm. that makes sense they all have different ideas of what their future looks like i want to circle back a little bit to something that you were distinguishing at the beginning which is that you are working with people who are in the legal sex industry not to be confused with maybe what gets a little bit more press which is this like helping people that are in sex trafficking and that are in some of the more, I guess, illicit kind of avenues. Um, can you can you help us just understand that maybe a little bit more deeply? So when people hear about someone going to the red light district and maybe doing ministry there, is that is that different than is that like in the illicit side versus what you're doing? I, I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if you can draw these lines a bit more clearly for people. Right. And the illegal sex industry, which is trafficking. Um, involves prostitution as well, simply because most prostitutes have a pimp and that pimp controls her. And so she can't leave, which legally, at least in the state of Texas, but I think it's the same in most states in the United States, um, prostitution is considered sex trafficking for that reason, because they're not free to leave. There are some that work on their own um, and that may not necessarily fall under the the banner of trafficking Mm -hmm. but i don't think they stay on their own very long just because of the nature of prostitution and the legal sex industries would be anything that's um hasn't anything that the uh the legal authorities recognize as okay which would be (laughs) pornography strip clubs um only fans, um, cam modeling, that sort of thing. Those are all, those all fall right. under the legal sex because, industry. Because I guess the, the women that are um, involved are governed by a legal entity. Like there's no, exactly. yeah, whereas it, as I guess with prostitutes, it's a pimp, which obviously is, there's right. no legal institution there. Okay. Right. That, that's really helpful. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. right. So what is for you, what is like the, the ideal outcome of an outreach? Because I, again, you said that there's so much patience that's required for the work you're doing. And we have be, we're becoming just more and more impatient, I think, as time goes on, whether it's in this mm-hmm. area or, you know, whatever we're right. talking about. Right. Even with the guys we work with in recovery, I think sometimes they they think it's going to be a quick fix and it's it's not. Um, but, you know, and, and, and maybe even uh, you, you clearly have a vision for this thing, like God has spoken to you about this. What are you dreaming about in the next five to 10 years for this to continue to grow and to continue to have an impact? Wow. Um, For me, let me go back to um, pastors, especially all the time will ask me, um, what is your success rate? They want to know, like, they put it in terms of how many people have gotten saved, you know, and I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I can't answer that. I can, for me, success with this ministry is when I go to a club and a woman comes off the stage and wants to talk or a woman comes up to me, you know, she leaves her customer that she's sitting at a table with and talking to. And she leaves that customer and says, Hey, can you pray with me? My daughter is sick. Or, um, I have Mm. one woman in the San Angelo club every time she's there Um, When we come in, she wants to circle up. She'll get all the women and we'll circle up and 
front of the main stage and we'll pray. And she wants me to, to just cover them in prayer for their safety, um, for finances, and just that they would have peace and, and that they would know that God is with them. And so we wow. pray that. And, and to me, that is success. When somebody calls me in the middle of the night because they have a question about God, because their work hours are different than than your typical. So you have mm. to expect those calls in the middle of the night. And that they want to talk about God. They have a question about the Bible. They were reading this book or or somebody was just telling them about what an awful person they were because they strip and and they just need to talk about it. And so we'll have those conversations. To me, that is success because they're mm. reaching out yeah. there. And I can't expect any more than that. I don't yeah. demand anything from them. So um, anything above them taking my my gift that I give them, that's success. Just yeah. getting in the club is success. And um, yeah. where I want to be in, in five or 10 years, I don't see, um, I mean, I would like the ministry to grow. Obviously, I would like to be able to offer more. I would like to have a drop-in center where they can just come and sit and have computers and they can apply for jobs and a clothes closet where they could get interview clothes and a food mm. pantry in case they need food. And, you know, I would like to have a child care center for those that don't have family to watch their kids at night. I have a lot of dreams. Yeah, it's awesome. Good. <laughs> I'm very limited by finances. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, that, but that's where I would like to be in five or 10 years. But the, the way the, the, the stripper population is a very transient population. And so, and especially in West Texas. So the dancers that I see in San Angelo, I may also see them in Amarillo or Odessa. So when there is, or I'll see the Amarillo girls in San Angelo, when we have the rodeo in San Angelo, it's the largest rodeo in the United States. I see girls from every club we minister to. They come to San Angelo to work because that's where the money is. So if there's a tattoo convention in Odessa, all those girls are going to go to Odessa and work there. And so it's very transient. And so we'll see the same girls in different clubs. Hmm. Um, but we also, there, there's also a cycle. Um, like right now, we just had a big turnover at the club in San Angelo. The last two outreaches, I'm like, I don't even know any of these girls. Like, where's all my old girls? <laughs> you know, and so I was actually on the phone with them the other day, calling them, okay, we're going to meet for coffee. I, I've missed you. I haven't seen you. And I just want to no. catch up. And yeah. And so we do those things. But now the new girls, I have to start developing those relationships with the new girls. And, you know, so it's like starting all over. And so yeah. then some of the old girls will pop back in every once in a while because they need to pay a bill or, or something like that. But um, they just, they cycle out. They, yeah. It's just, um, it's just the nature of the business or, or they'll be working, they'll move and they'll start working in another club and you, you'll find them three or four months later. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that, that definitely makes sense. I could see that just sort of coming with the territory. So we've yeah. talked uh, about lace warriors up until this point, and this is helping you reach, you know, hundreds of entertainers and women, um, in particular, it sounds like in, in West Texas, but obviously um, it, it's gone beyond that. You're also the executive director of Strip Church, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that, because to me, this is where like I, I love that you're so visionary and I, <laughs> I can kind of see why God has blessed you with so much reach and influence and with an organization like Strip Church, because I think um, to me, it seems like this is sort of the infrastructure that God might be able to use to carry out some of those bigger visions and dreams you have. Please tell, tell us about that as well. Well, um, just a little history on Strip Church. It was started um, in 2009 by Craig Gross, who was the founder of Triple X Church. Um, he had Fireproof Ministries. That's and right, he's done yeah. a lot working with people in the porn industry, um, a lot working with individuals who um, have suffer from, I don't know if that's the correct word, who, who have porn addiction. Yeah. I, I consider it suffering. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah. I think that'd be accurate. <laughs> okay. Suffer from porn addiction. Um, he, he's been, he's been working with those populations for years, um, over 25 years. Um, mm. he, um, changed direction and wanted to, to engage in another business, um, started, um, just kind of dissolving his his ministry and everything. And Triple X Church went one way. Um, 
another organization took them over and yeah. they've had Carl on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> um, and then, um, they offered strip church to me and I was just floored because I love strip church network. I mean, it was because of a newscast about strip church network and um, that Lace Warriors was formed. So, wow. um, it's, um, I learned a great deal about how to do this ministry church strip church provides training and um, just mentoring resources, that sort of thing. And um, just, I was so excited to be offered the opportunity to take it over and we had just come out of COVID when I took it over. A lot of ministries um, were non-existent. They just didn't exist anymore. A lot of the clubs had shut down. Yeah. A lot of clubs had been closed and nobody knew if they were going to open again. And we were in, it was a time when we didn't know what was going on. And um, some of our clubs in Texas were open and some of them weren't. And we were having to... Um, not rush around and get food and, and food boxes and stuff to some of the dancers and, and things like that. And so those things were also going on throughout the United States and in other parts mm. of the world where um, we formerly had church members. Um, and so it was just a time of, okay, we need to get back together. We need to regroup and, and figure out where we are. Um, I don't even know how many strict church network members there were before COVID. Um, I know there were a lot. And um, probably not a hundred, but probably close. And sure. now we have um, thirty strip church network members okay. um, throughout the United States, and we're starting. We're getting new members. We're starting to to grow again. Um, and it's not it's not about numbers or anything, but um, to me, if if we don't have network members, that means there's maybe not ministries in cities that used to have ministries in those cities. And that yep. means those women aren't being ministered to. And yeah. to me that I don't, I don't care if a ministry, I mean, I do, I care <laughs> because I think we're a great network, but yeah. and if, if a ministry decides not to be a member of our network, that's fine. That's, that's, you know, no shade on them, but I just want them. To, I want there to be a ministry in every city Absolutely. to, to be able to minister to those women and and let them know that Jesus loves them. Yeah, and I'm a little bit. Those scared women of the... are not going to. No, sorry. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Those, those women are not going to walk into a church. You have to go to where they are. And yeah. the Bible, we we were never told to sit back and wait for people to come to church and then we can minister to them. We were commanded to go into all the world. And least warriors, we say we're commanded to go into all the world, even places that make us feel uncomfortable. Because the Bible isn't about being comfortable. It's mm -hmm. about going and, and reaching the lost. And yeah. you go into dark places. You take your light into dark places. And they'll receive you. They'll welcome you. And if they don't, you just wait and go back and try again in a few months. Yeah. And, and yeah. you keep trying. They'll let you in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they see you're not going to go away, they'll let you in. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, like you said, it takes time to build that trust, right? Right. Um, I'm a little bit scared to ask this question just because I, I don't know what the answer is going to be, but I think it's important to ask. These strip churches, you know, the 30-some churches that you have right now, and uh, that number is obviously going to grow now that things are starting to stabilize a little bit mm -hmm. again. Um, are these individuals like yourself who have the passion for this and are taking the initiative? Um, and I guess the question that I'm actually like uh, curious about are any of these strip churches actually based out of a local church ministry? Um, there are some that are based out of churches and some Great. are just an individual that had a vision. Yeah. Um, it goes all over the place. Some are run by ex-strippers. Some are run by pastor's wives. Some are run by women who just saw a need and, and wanted to meet that need. And yeah. um, it's just, it's all over the place. Every cool. ministry is very different. We all, we have a couple of guidelines that we all follow, but basically every, you, you can't, you won't find two ministries exactly the same Yeah, because we all have our own calling, of course, but we, yeah. we all operate under, under very similar guidelines. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And I, I think uh, the reason I was asking and just curious is because I think every local church like if there's if there's enough sustainability in um in a village or a town for there to be a local church 
then there's definitely going to be some sort of strip club or something that the church could probably be reaching out to. And so mm -hmm. I think what you have is so special and so needed. And I know even my, my, my dad's church, I, I grew up in my dad's churches. He was a pastor for 35 years. And the last church he was in for about 10 years had an individual who actually had a tougher season of her life where she was stripping herself just to pay bills, exactly like you mm -hmm. said. And she was able to get time with her kids. So it was kind of a, it was a win-win if you could put it that way. And she did eventually get out. She met Jesus and she went back and, and, you know, my dad had, I think enough presence of mind to like really endorse what she was doing. And the, the stories were incredible. And she had your heart as well. Like she just wanted to love them because she knew exactly that's what they needed. She knew how, how hard it was to find people that they could trust and all of that. But I know that when my dad would talk to other people about the ministry or, you know, we even have been visiting ministers and she'd be up at the front sharing a testimonial about the outreach they just did last night because we'd meet Sunday morning and she was mm -hmm. up all Saturday night. Um, you know, like you could just see everybody's like wide eyes, kind of just like they've never heard of anything like this before and right, didn't know right. that, that the church could even participate that way. So that's also why I'm really glad that you you sent some time out just to be with us today, Jazz, because I think uh, I think people need to hear about what you're doing. And I hope that for those who are listening to this that are in some kind of leadership position, um, maybe there is somebody in your congregation who would love to do a ministry like this. Um, and And maybe you just need to start talking about it or at least Get, get in touch with Jazz, find out more about Strip Church and what you guys are up to and see how they can plug in. Uh, you mentioned or earlier, Jazz, that you have big vision and it's finances that's going to ultimately dictate how much of that you're able to execute. And I, I would really like for my audience listening to seriously consider giving to what you're doing, even if it's just uh, a, a small amount, every little bit counts. And uh, to my audience, I want to speak to you just for a minute. You know, we, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to porn for 15 years. We've spent plenty of time, even if not money, plenty of time feeding um, the, the industries and the things that we know are actually hurting us. And you guys have an opportunity here to put your resources into something that is actually going to work in all of our favors. If Strip Church continues to grow, if Jazz can further this vision, everybody wins. And this is excellent, excellent soil to put your seed in, quote unquote, your, um, you know, your, your financial resources and I think it's a great thing to do in conjunction with those who are in recovery. Um, just a good way to channel your resources in a completely new direction. Jazz, what would be the best way for them to do that if they did want to find out more about what you're up to and make a donation? And they can go to lacewarriors.com. Okay, perfect. So we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, this was amazing. Do you want to add anything here before we, we wrap up? Anything else that we didn't talk about? Um, I can't think of anything. Um, just... Going off of what you just said, I hear men joke all the time about how they support they support a girl going through college, meaning they give her dollars at the strip club. Yeah. Or I help her support her family because they give her dollars at the strip club. And um, you're not helping support her. You are taking pieces of her soul. Mm. So um maybe if you want to help support them. You could donate to the ministry and I'll make sure that money gets to them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. I think that's a much better approach as well. I totally endorse that. So yeah, we will, we will absolutely uh, put, put the link there. Um, this is incredible work you're doing. And I, uh, I think, you know, I, I know at least to some extent what it's like to do work that is taboo in nature um, has like a faith-based element, but at the same time, there's, there's so much more to it than that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also what it's like to kind of be written off, you know, oh, like that. He's just the porn guy doing his thing over there. Oh, yeah, that's Josh. She's got her strip, uh, her strip club yes. ministry or whatever, you know, good for her. But um, I'm so excited for you. I love the vision you have. And uh, you, you have a new fan here in, in myself and a bunch of our listeners. So thank you, Jazz. Thanks for what you're doing. And thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. Okay, well, there you have it. That was my interview with Jazz James. I so appreciate her heart. I love the tenacity that she's going after this stuff with. And guys, I really do mean it. Like you need to donate to her ministry. She's doing such a powerful work and it would be a crying shame for us to not show up and, and just show some respect and support for what she's doing. And again, I don't think it's like, you know, if you sow seeds into this, then God's going to bless you with recovery. I, I don't want it to become that kind of thing. What I do want to suggest to you though is that, look, we've spent all these resources on pornography and chasing things that were totally useless for us. Let's let's start investing some resources 
in the right direction. And even a small donation goes a long way. She didn't want to say this um, on the interview, but when we got to talking afterwards, uh, it, it was very clear that she is uh, grossly underfunded. A lot of people don't understand what she's doing. And um, a lot of people are just uh, not willing to give her uh, their support, even though it could really go a long way. And so there's a link in the show notes if you want to make a donation. And look, if maybe you're listening to this and um, and you know that it's time to quit porn, maybe this was the thing that helped you realize maybe you're feeling some conviction or maybe you just you just know in your heart of hearts now is the time to quit porn. Well, there's a link in my show uh, in the show notes rather for you to book a time with somebody from our team. Uh, we'd love to speak with you and see if Deep Clean is the right fit. And uh, the way these calls work is basically we understand your situation. That's a majority of the time spent. And if we think you're a good fit, we can talk about what it would look like for you to participate in one of our programs. This is really the best way for you to get it plugged in. And if you're serious about getting to the roots of the issue, doing the work and experiencing lasting freedom, there's no better option for you than Deep Clean. Link is in the show notes, guys. You can click on that. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast, and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.